Hi everyone and welcome to our service, to our Prodeo family, to everyone joining us for the first time today. You are so welcome. I'm so glad that you decided to join us for this 21-day journey of really waking up your spiritual life. It's about a spiritual awakening because I think most of us, and especially if you're already a Christian, most of us kind of feel we know deep inside of our hearts that there must be something more to our relationship with Jesus. We started out passionately when we started following Him. If you don't follow Jesus, you probably know some Christians that started out super excited and super passionate. But then often we see that kind of dying out after a while. We see time kind of fading away, that passion. And that is sad to me. Stovall Weems says it so beautifully. He says that passionate Christianity should be the norm for every believer, not the exception. I believe you and I, we can and we should be passionate in our relationship with God. Now, let me ask you something. When last did you experience that something more? Because we long for something more. But when last did you experience something more? What is interesting to me is that if you think back about times when you really felt connected to God, you felt like you had spiritual breakthrough, like God heard your prayers, whatever it might be, that was probably during a time when you were at a camp dedicated to spending time with God, a church camp. It might have been at a conference. It might have been a retreat that you were taking, a hike somewhere out in the woods. But it was probably a time that you set aside to spend time with God. And guess what? When you set the time aside to have an encounter with God, God you have an encounter with God. God shows up. You see Him experiencing. Why? Because you put in the effort to make space for God. And that is our second topic in our series today. Our second topic is make room. Second topic in our series, Wake Up, is make room. Because if you want anything exciting and new in your life, you have to make space for it. Two years ago, after Yolanda and I have been married for more than eight years, we had a baby girl on the way. And we had to create space for her. We lived in a two-bedroom flat and that used to be our guest room and we used to have guests over all of the time and we now had to make a space for her it wasn't just available our lives were already full all of our rooms in our house was full our home wasn't baby proof so in order to receive this new exciting gift that god gave us of a baby girl we had to create space not just emotionally but physically in our house we had to create space for her now Two years later, or it will be almost three years later, we've got a second girl on the way. So for those of you who don't follow us on social media, yes, Yolanda is 14 weeks pregnant with a girl. Again, we are so excited about that. But we've got a second girl on the way. And guess what? She's not just going to show up and we're like, oh, everything is already. We have to create space for her. Our routines will have to change again. We have to create extra space in our routine because now we have to cut time out of other places in order to divide it equally or however it's needed between the two girls. We have to create space in our house for her. And the same is true for anything in your life. You have to create space for new and exciting things that you want in your life. And the same is true for God. 
Listen, God doesn't force his way into our lives. Yes, you might have had an amazing encounter with him that, that helped you to connect with him, that helped you to take that step and say, God, my life is yours. But overall, God doesn't force his way into our lives. He gave us free will. God is not a forcer. God is a space filler. God wants us to want him in our life. God wants us to create space for him that he can fill. And we started this journey 21 days, we start actually last Sunday, we started our preparation for this series. And I said for 21 days, we're going to pray, we're going to read our Bibles, and we're going to fast. And why fasting? Today we're going to talk a little bit about that, because I believe that one of the best ways for us to create new space for God in our life is through fasting. And what we're going to do today is we'll be reading from Luke 5. If you've got your Bibles with you open to Luke 5, it will also be on the screen for you, so you can follow along. But in Luke 5, verse 33 to 39, Jesus has an encounter with the disciples of John the Baptist. And they ask Jesus questions about fasting. And then we read this beautiful piece where Jesus puts fasting into perspective for us. It is a teaching on fasting that will help us to just figure out what this is all about. So let's read. Okay, John 5, verse 33. One day, some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Jesus responding, responded, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom, and Jesus referred to himself, will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. That's what we're going to be reading today. Jesus gives this beautiful teaching on fasting to help us to understand what New Testament fasting is about, to help us to put it into perspective. Now, a lot of Christians will say like, we shouldn't even fast. It's an Old Testament thing. It doesn't matter to us anymore. It was a thing about the law. It, it's got nothing to do with the followers of Jesus. And often they will even quote this where Jesus says like, we don't have to fast because we've got him with us. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. But Jesus talks about when the groom, he's the groom, the church is called the bride of Christ. When the groom is away, he says, then they will fast again. So Jesus never canceled fasting. In fact, if you go and read in Matthew 6, verse 16, Jesus teaches just before this in Matthew 6, He teaches His disciples how to pray. And He teaches them the beautiful prayer that most of you will know if you grew up in church. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Jesus teaches them to pray. And then right after this from verse 16, He teaches them about fasting. And He says, whenever you fast. So when you fast, not like if you fast or, you know, if you really have to or if you follow the, the Mosaic law or whatever. No, no. Jesus is like, when Whenever you fast, he didn't cancel fasting. He teaches them about fasting. Jesus himself fasted in the desert for 40 days when the devil tempted him. 
Um, the early church in, in the book of Acts, we read that they on a regular basis fasted. So when Jesus left, clearly they had an understanding that fasting was a spiritual habit that they had to be doing. I want to tell you today that if we overlook the necessity of fasting, if we question that, if we as Christians say like it's not necessary for us to fast anymore, I believe that would be equivalent to questioning Bible reading or praying or giving of our tithing or any other spiritual discipline for that matter. Fasting is a spiritual discipline just as all of the other spiritual disciplines are like reading your Bible and praying and being part of a church community and all of those are important and so is fasting. There is a closeness. And there is power that can only be experienced, I believe, through fasting. So how do we fast as Christians? Jesus talks about a new way of fasting. So Jesus uses two illustrations to tell them that there's an old way and there's a new way. There's old clothes that cannot be mended with new and there's old wineskins that cannot carry the new wine. The old and the new, Jesus says, doesn't mix. Now, in the Old Testament, people also used to fast. It was quite common. And in the New Testament, the Pharisees fast, and Jesus actually often condemns them for the way in which they do it. But if you look at the Old Testament version of fasting, it was different. Fasting in the Old Testament was mostly about mourning and repenting. So if someone felt sorry about something, they would fast and they would seek God's forgiveness. For example, if you can read the book of Jonah, Jonah goes to the city of Nineveh and God is going to destroy the city of Nineveh. They're not even believers, but what do they do? The people of Nineveh says, let's fast because maybe God will change his plan. We read about King David in 2 Samuel 12. He has a child with a lady that's not his wife and he had her husband murdered. So God says, the child is going to die. I'm not happy with what you've done. And then what does David do? He fasts for forgiveness so that God would save the child. We read in the book of Joel that the people should fast. God tells them that they should fast as repentance. Otherwise, God is basically going to destroy everything. Locusts will, will eat their crops and what is, whatever is left, more locusts will come and destroy that. So people in the Old Testament, the old garments, Old Testament people fasted to change God's mind or because they wanted to show off in the New Testament like the Pharisees. They thought they would look super spiritual. So mostly in the Bible, we get the Old Testament rule, uh, the Old Testament way of fasting for forgiveness and mourning. And in the New Testament, the wrong way that Jesus condemned was the Pharisees showing off thinking they were spiritually um, better than other people. But Jesus says there's a new way. And the new way is the way of grace. If you believe in Jesus Christ, yes, the law is still there, but we're not under the law. Jesus didn't come to completely annihilate it, but he came to fulfill the law. So what does that mean for us? We don't have to fast to seek the grace of God, to say, God, please forgive me. We have the grace of God. Jesus already died for us. He already loves us. He already gave his everything for us. We don't have to give to him in order to receive his grace. He gave it to us freely. So why do we fast? Because we want to celebrate it. We want to line up our lives to the path that God wants us to be on because of His grace, because of His love, because of who He is. We fast not to change God's mind, but to change ourselves. To bring our lives in alignment with God's will for 
our lives. It is not legalistic. So we, we talked about this on our, our social media post during the week. If you missed them, go and have a look at them shortly. We explained why we're fasting, how we're going to do it, types of fast. But what I said there as well is this is not legalistic. Okay, Don't get so hanged up about what you eat or what you cannot eat. that This becomes this whole legalistic thing for you. Keep the main thing the main thing. And that is about seeking God. That is about moving closer to God. But Jesus not only uses this example of the, of the old garments, he also uses an example of a wineskin. And I think this is super important. Today, we ferment wine in barrels, and then they move over to glass bottles, and that's how we drink wine. And yes, old wine is, is good, but new wine can also be good, depending on who makes it, right? But the point of this story is, in the old days, they didn't have glass bottles, so wine would go into a wineskin. And as the wine was still fermenting, because of that fermenting, the wine skin would swell. If that was an old wine skin, it would be hard. And as the wine fermented, it would tear, literally break the wine skin apart. But if it was a new wine skin with new wine in it, and the wine fermented, the leather, or the wine skin, the leather of that could expand and there was no issue. Jesus is the new wine. His spirit wants to fill our lives. And we must be like new wineskin, creating space in our life for God's work in our life to continue to expand. We want God's spirit to grow in us. We want his work in us to continue and expand. We want more of him, right? I'm, I'm sure you want more because I want more. I want to be passionate. Christianity needs to be the norm for me, not the exception. And if I want more, I need to be like a new wineskin, ready and clean for God to do whatever He wants to do. Through fasting, God renews us and He prepares us to contain fresh new things that He wants to bring to our lives. So that is how we fast in a new way, not the legalistic old school way but in a new way, as a response to His grace, as wanting to line ourselves up with His will, as wanting to make ourselves available for what He wants to do. But why is it so necessary? I already said it's a spiritual discipline, so we can't just throw it out the window. But I believe there's two big reasons of why fasting is good for us. The first one is it helps us to clean up our lives. Guys, let's be honest. Our lives are constantly filled up and polluted by all kinds of things especially during COVID-19. We've got so much stress and anxiety, financial, we're worried about the virus. Will you get it? Will you not? Is that person um, social distancing? Is it practicing enough social distancing? Are they far enough from you? Why are they coughing? What's going on? We're worried about our houses. We're worried about our families. We're worried about so many things. There's social media, there's phones, there's TVs, there's distractions everywhere. And slowly but surely, our lives are constantly filled up and they are polluted. Noise and distractions creep in to my time with God. I struggle to spend time with Him and, and to really connect with Him. And what happens? The more our lives are polluted, the more we go on to autopilot. So we previously, my relationship with God was full of affection and fervor and passion, where it was something beautiful. As I go on to autopilot, 
I start to operate from a routine. I get up and, and maybe you don't even do this. Maybe your routine went out the window completely. That's part of why we're doing this, right? To establish a new routine during the next 21 days. But even if we keep our routines of reading our Bibles and praying and going to church and tithing and helping those in need and serving and whatever it might be, we go into autopilot where we do this out of routine instead of affection and fervor and passion and love and a response to God's grace. You see, what we do when we do all of these disciplines, but we skip fasting, it's almost like just cleaning on the surface. We just moved from one house to another. And what's always interesting to me is we clean every week. So you, you clean, you wash the floors, you vacuum, you dust everything off. And everything in the house looks clean on surface level. But if you look under the bed where you don't often vacuum or you get on a ladder and you, you look at the top of the kitchen cabinets or whatever it might be, those little corners that you don't get to every week, when you go to those corners, it is normally horribly dirty. And we have to do a spring clean once a year or every now and again in order to clean the little nooks and crannies of a house that we don't normally get to. And I believe like prayer and Bible reading is like the, the general maintenance that we do. That's our, our basic spiritual disciplines that helps us to stay connected with God. But fasting is like spring cleaning. We go into the nooks and the crannies. We take the pollution out. We take all the gunk out, all the distractions. And we restore, fasting restores us to, us to our original clean state. In Mark 9 and in Matthew 7, we read that the disciples went out and they, they actually drived out demons all over the place. But then they face this demon that they cannot drive out. And they go to Jesus and Jesus responds to them and actually says, you have unbelief in your life. So like, but we're reading Bibles, we're praying, we're doing all this. No, no, but there's a deeper part of your life that you don't even get to. And that's why Jesus says, you cannot drive this demon out. And then in Mark 9 verse 29, he says, this kind can only come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. You have to pray and fast. You have to go into the nooks and crannies, take the unbelief out and put faith back in. Jesus says that some things can only change through fasting. In Matthew 17, the same story, Jesus then, when they go and speak to Jesus in private after this, because this was in front of a crowd of people, then Jesus goes further. And not only does he tell them this demon can only come out by prayer and fasting, but then he tells them, if you have a little bit of faith, then you can tell a mountain to pick itself up and throw it in the ocean. You can move mountains. You see, suddenly, when we think about that, the impossible doesn't seem so impossible anymore. Because when we remove the unbelief, when we remove the distractions, when we go out of autopilot mode and back into affection and love for Jesus Christ, then the impossible becomes possible. We have to clean out our lives and create space where our, where our faith can burn brightly again, where God's power can flow freely in our lives so we have to create space we have to clean up our lives and create space but the second reason why i think it's so important is to quiet we fast to quiet our souls down the noise of this world prevents us from hearing god's voice clearly maybe you've heard his voice clearly previously and maybe 
for the last for the last year with this whole craziness of COVID, you feel like you've been praying against the ceiling, like nothing is getting through. You're not hearing God's voice. Now, let me tell you something. God isn't quiet. His voice doesn't didn't disappear. It's like radio. The signal is always there. The broad someone is always sitting on the other side. The broadcast is all always live. But if you're not tuned into the station. You will hear nothing. And if you only tune in halfway, you will hear something coming through, but there would be a lot of static. The same is true for our relationship with God. If we're not finally tuned into Him, there will be so much static from all the noise in this world that we will miss His voice. In Acts 13, when we read about the early church, in Acts 13 verse 12, we read that as these followers of Jesus were worshipping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them. So they're like, I, we, they heard the voice of God when they were doing what? Worshipping and fasting. Fasting has a special place. It quiets our soul down. Guys, when I think about my own life, some of the times when I've heard the voice of God the clearest was on a hiking route in the mountains where I was there for a couple of days. No cell phone, no distractions, just me and nature. It was when I spent retreat time on a farm with nothing but nature around me. And I heard God's voice. It was on camps where I dedicated a whole weekend or a whole week to God. It was in times of fasting. In fact, the name Prodeo, that means for God, that's our church name. We got that name from God one day after we fasted for 11 days. And I believe we hear God's voice most clearest when we tune into Him. But we have to tune into Him by tuning out to everything around us. We need to get to a place where we surrender complete control to God so that He can speak to us uninterrupted. We fast in a new way. And we fast because we have to create space. We have to clean up our lives. We have to quiet down the noise so that God can work and flow freely in us. Stovall Weems puts it so beautifully. The same guy that said that, the passionate Christianity should be the norm. He says this about fasting and prayer. He says, prayer connects us to God. And fasting disconnects us from the world. See, both needs to happen if we really want to hear God's voice. So I want to invite you for this next 21 days, as you will be praying, as you will be fasting, as you will be seeking God's face, write down two or three things that you will be praying about specifically. Two or three things that you will be seeking God's face. In. Like, I need God's advice. I need to hear what He's saying. God, show me what to do. Write those things down now. Think about them after this message. Write them down. And as you're praying, let's see what God says. Cut out the noise, cut out the distraction so that you can hear his voice. Don't be, don't be like the people that Jesus talks about in verse 39. Who are those people? Jesus says, too many of them. Says the old wine is fine. The old way of fasting, fasting for mourning and repentance is fine. Or you know what? No, fasting is fine. Or whatever I'm used to is fine. Don't be like that. Jesus is telling them there's something more. There's wine that you haven't tasted yet. And I want to tell you today, there's, there's more beauty and there's more power and there's more beauty. There's just so much more than, than you are currently experiencing in your relationship with Jesus. 
And he wants to show you more, but we have to disconnect from what is so important to us. So I want to challenge you this week. Start this disconnect. Start your fasting. Start disconnecting from everything that's so super important to you. You should probably cut down on your cell phone. You should probably say for the next 21 days, no more social media. Or, or maybe I'm only going to do social media for 30 minutes a day. Maybe you should cut down from reading the news so much. Maybe you should cut down from TV and movies. Maybe you should cut down from all your negative thoughts. I don't know what you should be cutting down of, but whatever is so important to you, let's disconnect from that. Let's disconnect from everything that's distracting us and reconnect with God. God won't force His way in. He will fill the space that you create for Him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are not a, a forceful God, but that you're a loving Father who's already given everything to save us. That's given everything so that we can have a relationship with you. You gave your Son. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice, for, for dying on a cross. God, thank you for resurrecting me. Thank you for your amazing grace and your love and your mercy. I pray that during these next 21 days that we will clean out our lives, that we will remove the distractions, that we will quiet down our souls, that we will create space that you can fill in a new way. I pray that we will experience a closeness to you that we have never experienced before. Fill our lives. With your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.